Hi everyone and welcome back to the Economic Street Podcast. I am your host, Ola. It's your boy, Nicholas. <laughs> and yeah, we're back with another instalment of um, our show where we just break down what's going on economically, financially, politically for you guys so that you can then, in turn, make decisions to either manage your financial situation or improve your financial situation appropriately. Now we've got a lineup for you today. We are going to be going through the rec- everything from the US elections to more stimulus packages uh, by governments and also lockdown too, which as you guys are aware, we've just, uh, <laughs> we've just gone back into. Um, so fun times ahead. But yeah, we're going to be breaking it down for you today. And uh, yes, stay plugged. Cool. So let's just jump into it, Nick, today. Um, and let's just start with quantitative easing. So do you just want to go through that again, what that means, and then give us the scoop? Yeah, so quantitative easing is essentially a way for, as you heard from my last uh, podcast, the Bank of England, the Central Bank of the UK, who looks after the monetary policy uh, in the economy, what they have been doing to help stimulate the economy is they've been doing what's called uh, quantitative easing. And essentially what that is, is that they are buying government bonds. So they are buying financial bonds in the market to help uh, boost the economy. But you might say, what is that? So essentially what they're doing, so when the government issues a bond, which is essentially an IOU, that is how they raise finance, apart from taxes, the other way they raise finances is through uh, what was known as a bond. That's essentially an IOU where what they will do, they will pay you an interest, a coupon payment for you purchasing that bond. So there's all different types of bonds, but to put it in its simple term, they will pay you money for you, um, pay you interest for you purchasing a bond. That's in its simplest term. So what does that mean? So what their central bank is essentially doing, they are purchasing the bonds from the government. So they're actually, they're essentially financing the government. The government are issuing bonds to help during this crisis. And then the, uh, the, the central bank, the Bank of England are essentially buying these bonds. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, kind of, <laughs> to be precise. Um, so basically you're yeah. saying that the government will say, I need to I need to top up my bursement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they sell it to insurance and pension companies, etc. Yeah. And then the central bank turns around and goes to those pension companies, pension funds, and insurance companies and buys it off them. So essentially, in a way, what's happening is that the central bank is just pumping or just giving the government money in a way. It, uh, exactly. And that's the thing. No, you hit it in the head because basically in the old days. It used to be known as pump, uh, printing money. Yeah. But they're not essentially, then what they're not doing now, they're not physically printing money anymore. They're, elect- they're electronically buying these, these bonds. Mm. So, but it's still pumping money into the economy, if that makes sense. <laughs> they're not printing the money, but by purchasing uh, these assets, it's then giving these, that, these, that money to your banks and your pension funds, etc., who can then pass ideally in our ideal world they're then supposed to pass that on to the everyday person me and you right okay oh no they're doing that (laughs) (laughs) 
Not quite, but that's how it's supposed to work. So essentially, what that's supposed to do is help um, stimulate the economy. Because okay. then what it's, it's supposed to allow is then that would help by purchasing all these bonds, that would raise the demand for bonds for more uh, people, i.e. pension funds, as you said, or even the everyday person will purchase these bonds, which would then uh, lower interest rates. And then that should then filter through to the everyday person by making things cheaper when interest rates are lower. Okay. That's how it's supposed to work in an ideal world. <laughs> how is it working? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, an interesting point. So let me just share with you some stats. 2009 was known as the, the biggest uh, recession or financial crisis since the Great Depression. And during that time, the government purchased two uh, governments, sorry, the Bank of England purchased 200 billion worth of government bonds during this period which was kind of unprecedented. But it's, and since then, only a mere three years later, you had the Eurozone debt crisis. So that was when uh, there was a lot of economic debt within the uh, European Union, countries such as Spain and Greece were having a lot of financial issues. So th that was the, the, uh, the European debt crisis. So that was only three years later. And the Bank of England during that period, again, purchased 375 billion worth of government bonds during this time. So that's an extra 175 billion compared to the financial crisis, which was known as the worst uh, depression since the Great Depression. Then we had the then we had the Brexit referendum. So as we all know, the UK voted to leave the EU in uh, June June 2016. Uh, during that, that sent quite a, a shock to the economy. So I remember the, the Bank of England also uh, lowered interest rates during this period to help um, the transition. But what they also did, they again spent 445 billion on government bonds during this period. So as you can see, we've got a steady increase in purchases from the Bank of England and all within a relatively short time frame, where before 2009, this was quite unprecedented uh, Bank of England doing what was known as quantitative easing. And then we're in the current coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the numbers here. So you've got £895 billion pounds that the Bank of England are, are pumping into the economy via purchasing government bonds. So it's just crazy. So saying, if the financial crisis was known as the worst crisis since the Great Depression. I don't know what the coronavirus pandemic is going to be known as. As, as we talked about in our last podcast, this has affected all sectors of the economy, where the financial crisis was mainly the banking sector that got hit. It's every single sector that's currently being hit. And as you can see, the spending is unprecedented at £895 billion. And that's incredible because what we're basically saying is that We've gone from the central bank essentially giving two hundred billion into mm -hmm. or two hundred billion into the financial markets because the way they do quantitative easing, guys, is the money has to go through the financial system. So they've gone from two hundred billion during what was so called the worst financial recession or depression since the nineteen thirties to now eight hundred and ninety five billion being pumped <laughs> into the system, and that's only in the space 
of six months, six, seven months. You have to remember the pandemic yeah. lockdown one only started in March, end of March. So if we are pumping 895 billion into the system, what we are hoping is that this money then filters down to everyday people via, and that could be through a number of methods, but primarily what the government tries to achieve by doing this is that the banks and the financial companies should hopefully lend more money to households, individuals, businesses, and that way we can then get people spending money again. Because the big problem right now they're facing is people are out of work or their incomes are less. Um, if they've ever been furloughed or been made to take a pay cut at work. And because of that, that leads to less spending in the economy. And when there's less spending, that means there is essentially somebody else is going to take a hit. There's going to be less incomes for other people. And that then becomes a self-perpetuating cycle where by the economy starts dropping um, in terms of annual growth. So that is the aim. How's that going, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> yes, as I said, it's not going too well because the fact that they're still spending the amounts that they are, they're still yeah. seeing that the need to help the economy. And as we discussed in our last podcast, as well as this, they, as we say, they were even thinking about negative interest rates as another solution to try and help stimulate the economy. So, sorry. Say, say that again, sorry? What would that do, negative interest rates? So as we discussed uh, in our last podcast, negative interest rates would then mean that the Bank of England base rate would go to negative. So essentially, banks would be asked to pay the Bank of England to hold their deposits because all banks within the economy hold their deposits with the Bank of England. But you can check that out more in our previous podcast to get further information. Exactly. Um, so at the moment, I mean, is do you think things can change in the next, I don't know, three to six months um, with this? It's difficult to say. I think, I think what it's also showing is that the Bank of England are kind of at their limit in terms of what they can do. Mm. As I was saying, they can't go any further with interest rates unless they go to, as we discussed, negative interest rates. And then what's really left is to do this, what's known as quantitative easing. I think the main the main stimulus to have to help us out of this situation is which the government's not going to like to do, but is more spending. It's what we call fiscal policies. Because uh, there's not much the monetary side so there's always two sides there's the monetary side which is the bank of england and there's the fiscal side which is the government policies that's whether they're uh, that's taxes and spending so uh, the, the government are gonna have to kind of uh, as an as economist may know the keynesian economist is to spend he's a, he's a, he's a great uh, he was a he was a avid advocate of spending your way out of recessions <laughs> so which, which the conservatives are not known for let's yeah. just say let's just say although they are saying they are spending as 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 we know but that would probably be the the, the way to push to get out of this <laughs> yeah, correct push them for job and to be honest i don't really see them lowering taxes any further they already gave us the vat cuts mm -hmm. and then they also gave the stamp duty holiday if you want to call Correct. it that 
and they've also allowed, I think, business rates to be frozen for the time frozen, being. Correct. Yes, correct. So the next thing you're pretty much looking at are income tax receipts, and that's the lion's share of the tax <laughs> so of the tax revenues they generate. So I'm not really sure um, if Richie Sunak is going to want to go down that route, especially now that they've extended furlough scheme yep. and uh, other sort of uh, support schemes as well. But, but I do have one alternative, which is a bit controversial, which they mm -hmm. haven't done, is what's known as helicopter money. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as we've discussed, all these various schemes that the government's kind of doing at the moment, it's all filtered through the financial system. Yep. Whereas what helicopter money would do is actually put the money into, into the hands of the everyday person. Mm. So instead of saying it through, through the banking system or through the Bank of England, et cetera, the, the government will physically put money into your bank account to help with spending in the economy. Yep. And that would help generate spending. Helicopter money is a bit controversial. It's not something that many economists advocate but it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a it, <laughs> but who, do, who doesn't like free money you understand after all these years of paying taxes um and national insurance road tax council tax <laughs> order tax yeah <laughs> there's your cop man some change so, yeah so that's that is a, a, a option that it's still on the table, but I don't. I don't think that's going to be likely. If I'm being honest, but I think that's how you're getting it. That's real. That's why you're going to get impact into the everyday person because that's impactful. All the other methods at the moment, not everyone's benefiting from. So it's still certain people are better. Where if you was to do the helicopter scheme, every person would then benefit from that, and then that could help boost the economy by encouraging spending within the economy. So you're basically saying at the moment that it's only the top percent are it's only the top percent that are benefiting primarily from all these so far government intervention schemes. Um, um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's just a top percent, but it's not everyone. So it's a mix. So it's depending on what kind of scheme you're on or where you you sit. Not everyone's being impacted by all the help that the government's trying to do. So. I'm not saying the government's not doing anything, but it's not getting through to everyone. Yeah. And as and this, and as we know, this crisis is a it's a once in a generation thing. It's, it's, a, it's impacting everyone and everything, so it's not oh, it, it's unique in that sense. So with the helicopter money, that would be something that would allow everybody to get access to, or maybe even if you have to kind of means test it, then to yeah. to then make make sure there's a criteria. But at the moment. The government, that's the that's probably the next level where the government could go, but I'm not sure they would go that route, as I said. Yeah, and I, I think now with the announcement that came out today in terms of uh, a vaccine uh, being found that is 90% effective, uh, that probably, which we're going to discuss in a minute, that probably makes it less likely. Of, <laughs> yeah, less likely, essentially, which is a shame because... What we have seen, and we're going to touch on this, is that because 
one of the major impacts of quantitative easing is that it it lets it makes the financial system better off. So what we mean by that is you typically see that money being spent on buying financial assets such as stocks. So what we've actually seen is the stock market go up during a pandemic. That is that can only be the result of quantitative easing. That is the consequence because I think the S&P 500, which is the stock market index in America that attracts the largest 500 companies in America is now at an all-time high in a pandemic year. So that <laughs> just puts it into perspective how quantitative easing can give a different, <laughs> it, it can give a different image to what is really going on. Definitely. And then when the stock prices are going up, typically we know that not everyday people, it's not everyday people that buy stocks. Stock market participation is still actually quite low. So that's what we mean that that is then inadvertently benefiting uh, wealthier people who are able to buy stocks and therefore see their wealth rise even yep. further. So yeah, um, but it's interesting. And I think for me, the timing of this news in terms of the vaccine being announced um, was unexpected. No, we literally lockdown was just announced last week, right? Yep. And so it's almost like from that happening last week, Monday, to one Monday later, <laughs> we've had a complete, oh, not complete reversal of fortunes, but today we've seen what we call distress sectors or cyclical sectors within the stock market go up 20 to 40%, 20 to 50%. So yeah. distress sectors are the sectors that took a major battering from uh, the lockdown. So these are airlines, aviation, transportation, hospitality, uh, travel, literally all the stocks are popping um, and what we call the stay home sectors. So things that, you know, online e-commerce platforms, stuff like that has now started to come down a little bit. So in the midst of the fact that a new lockdown was announced and people were thinking, okay, we're heading uh, back into, you know, at least one month period of just staying at home and businesses being shut. There's now so much optimism in the stock market anyway, that things are about to turn the corner, um, which is quite interesting because it's like this, it's a par it, this parallel situation. Um, and sometimes those two, um, yeah, they can divide. They don't, they don't always mirror, necessarily mirror each other. Um, yeah, and I would just like to add to that. It's like, it's been uh, over. So I don't know if, because we've been in such gloomy times, why there has been such an overreaction to that news. And of, course it's, of course it's positive news, but at this stage, it's still very much in its early stages and you right. still have to try and mass produce the vaccines and then get people to take the vaccines, et cetera. So it, it seems like it might be a little overreaction to the positive news, but I think the fact that I said, but the fact that something is out there, I think people have tended to take that as a bit of positive news to think, okay, soon, this time next year, I may be able to go to cinema, et cetera. I may be able to do some of the things that we can't currently do due to the current circumstances. I think you are right, because for 
I mean, guys, this is very unprecedented. You don't usually get a stock popping up 50% in one day unless, you know, there's amazing news about the company's future. So for this to be happening, and this has been happening regularly all along lockdown, and that is some attributable to what we call volatility. Because they've dropped so much in value over the last seven months, any bit of positive news, the stock market just latches onto it. So what we may see is what we then call a bit of a correction over the next couple of weeks, whereby things start dropping again as people, as the reality of the situation um, comes back to the forefront in terms of the fact that the vaccine is yet to be mass produced and then distributed. And then we, we're yet to see people take it up. So it's like there's still these stages. I mean, the vaccine has not even been approved yet. Um, it should be. Um, usually vaccines in normal times take very long time to get through the regulatory process in terms of getting approval. But because of the extraordinary circumstances that we're in, they're probably going to get approved within the next month or so. And then you kind of go from there. So it's it's been quite interesting today just reacting to the news that filtered through and my phone has just been popping off. <laughs> we were having conversations uh, offline um, about just what's been going on today. And it's just been, yeah, all over the place. Waking up in the morning, 8 a.m., things were still relatively normal. <laughs> and then like that. Yeah. <laughs> Within like a couple of hours, the entire structure from Japan to US changed based on yeah. that. Um, so, yeah. I think that, that kind of ties us in as well, talk about markets and is with the, we just recently had the US election. And then during the last week or so with the US election, we've seen markets as a whole generally been positive, but they had a brief period when it looked like it was we were unsure what who the president was gonna be. Um actually let me just take it back. First of all, the markets kind of priced in expecting Biden to win. So the markets were quite positive, especially in the US, thinking Biden was going to win. And so there was quite a push and stocks were on the rise. But then we had a bit of uncertainty after the first night when it didn't look like what was going to happen. And financial markets don't do well with uncertainty. When there's uncertainty, that creates volatility. So we had a brief period where, due to not knowing which way the presidential race would go, it brought a little bit of uncertainty to the market. And once it became clear again that it looked like it was going to be, and which has been confirmed, that Biden will confirm, not if you're Trump, but anyway, it's another story. But it's been confirmed that um, Biden has won. We've seen that the markets again have now moved and been more positive and, and now has continued that positive trend and as well as the news that we're coming with the potential vaccine, that's all shifted the market compared to where it was just a few days ago and definitely a few months ago when the crisis hit. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, cool, I guess that brings us on to our kind of next topic in terms of actually the lockdown and what's going to be happening now going forward. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's quite interesting uh, that you know 
I mean, the COVID rate started to go up really quickly, our infection rates, faster than even back in March. And then everybody was expecting perhaps a lockdown to be announced, but it was even, it had to be announced very quickly because there were some leaks in the paper. And because of that now, what the government are doing, they've extended furlough. They are extending the bounce back loan as well to January and allowing people to top up, even though that's not clear how that's going to work yet. Since the first time it was based on you receiving 25% of your estimated income uh, or turnover as a business. And then they're also extending the self-employment income support grant as well. So given the backdrop now of this news with the vaccine, does that change things? Or will that change the timeline of things? Good question. I suppose it's, it's kind of what you elaborated to earlier. Vaccines usually take a long time to come to market. But I guess during, because of the pandemic, that will kind of be fast-tracked. I guess from the government's point of view, the quicker the vaccine comes, the better it would be for them. Because <laughs> they would then not have to spend as much in terms of helping to keep the, the economy afloat with the various schemes that are going on. As we've discussed the various furloughs and bounce back schemes in our last podcast, and we went into great detail explaining uh, each one. But um, I would say, yeah, the quicker a virus came to market, the better it would be from the government. Because the government, saying, let's put it we real, the conservative governments in general are not known for fiscal policy and think fiscal spending. But give them their give them their due. I think they they they're trying to do as much as they can, and they could do more. I'm not saying, but they are breaking away from the general conservative traditions of spending. So I think yeah, bringing in a vaccine would kind of ease them back into the usual conservative ways. <laughs> and because um, because it's let's be real, lockdown two, it's got it's gonna put a a halt to the economy. Uh, fair enough, it's only four weeks they're saying it this time, but it's still four weeks of shops being closed, um, people not being able to visit, saying not everyone has the luxury of working from home, for example. So it's still going to have a short-term impact on the economy, which is why they did announce um, inst- um, extending furlough, in- uh, extending the bounce-back loan, etc. And even with furlough, that's controversial in itself, because originally, Labour government originally wanted the furlough to be extended and the government were like, no, we're not going to do that. But now that they've announced lockdown too, they've gone one head and not just, not only have they extended it, they've extended it all the way till March. So basically, that'd be a full calendar year of furlough. Is it till March? It's till March furlough's been extended too. Okay, okay. that's incredible. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing. Nobody saw 2020 coming like this. And uh... <laughs> ain't that the truth? <laughs> The year, the year human beings went indoors. <laughs> um, and it's in so many respects, it's like the year is not even over. Um, nope. Because we've still, have, what, we've still got another, what, um, seven weeks, eight weeks? Yeah. yeah. Seven weeks to the end of the year. So who knows what else is going to come up? And that kind of brings me on to my, to my next um, topic in terms of the recent US elections. 
So with Biden winning now, what is the outlook? Because we know that, you know, when US sneezes, the whole world catches a cold. So <laughs> what, what's on the horizon um, with that? Well, they're saying hopefully that he will agree another stimulus package, which kind of similar to, it's kind of their, the, the US form of uh, fiscal policy. So they will be um, having a package in the US. Well, that's what the, the kind of hope is, that he will sign off a package to help with government spending in the US to help boost their economy. As you just said, because the US economy is so large, and usually say when when they sneeze, we catch a cold, uh, it would then help boost global markets also. So that's why, again, another looking at, again, that's like looking at markets, and we were talking about earlier, they kind of priced in that factor and why markets have been quite positive of late. So if, if that stimulus.com does come, it's all the way up again <laughs> for this stuff. <laughs> Potentially, yes. <laughs> or worst case, if it doesn't come, then you might see things crash again. Oh my gosh, just just up and down the entire year. <laughs> Basically, yes. Basically, oh. it's just more volatility. <laughs> <laughs> so it's trapping, guys. Um, you're going for a wild ride for the next <laughs> rest of 2020. Um, it's a roller coaster, but it's been good. I think. Um, I guess, okay, if from whatever, everything we've said, what are the three things that people can take away from it um, in terms of things they can either look into for themselves or keep or, or keep an eye out for? No, that's a good question. So definitely, if you can, start investing. Um, that would be a, a big tip. It, it's... There's various different platforms out there that you can use and you can invest as little as a pound in some of them. I say it may not sound a lot, but if you start to build up that that portfolio and that net worth, that will help you in the long term. And a lot, a lot of you might be saying, well, how can I do that now when I can't pay my bills or et cetera? Because some people are in difficult times. But it's kind of that little saying, every little helps. And with how the markets are, there's opportunities to do that at the moment. I mean, it, 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 it's a start. And then that can also then further lead to uh, wealth generation later down the line. But that would be definitely my number one top tip uh, during this current time, and especially with people being indoors. I would also add to that, if you are one of the people eligible for self-employment income support, that is going to be the third tranche of that. The new tranche, um, the new payment is going to be opening up from the 30th of November. So that's when you should sign up, sign into your HMRC account and get that processed for yourself. And yeah, finally, just continue to look after yourself. Um, in terms of, um, what the government can be potentially doing. Hopefully, like we said, it's not likely that they're going to cut more taxes, but you never know. Um, especially because the max, the vaccine has not been mass produced yet. And given the fact that Brexit is still on the horizon in a few weeks. 
So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, we've got that to come. I forgot about that. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, those are the kind of things that we can leave you with. Uh, I do have one more, just to interrupt before you go. We didn't mention it today, but we did put it on our Insta post, and it can and it's about um, the FCA. So the FCA are looking into uh, extending uh, payment holidays. So as I just talked about, people might be having it, finding it hard at the moment. But it's definitely, for the or everything, any type uh, of so, yeah, they're going to look into at the moment, look to cover any time of. Uh, any type of loan, so yeah, credit cards, mortgages, uh, car loans, etc. So definitely look into that because yeah, as we knew before lockdown two, that was supposed to end at the thirty first of October. But yes, the FCA, who's the Financial Conduct Authority, they're looking to extend that. So as I mentioned, times are hard for everyone. But if you can look into getting a payment holiday, that would be best. And then saying, as we spoke about in the last podcast with the payment holidays, it could be done in a way without having a substantial negative impact on your credit ratings, which is something that you should try and maintain at all costs. And finally, just to add to that, if you haven't refinanced any of your loans, this is a good time to do it because interest rates are so low. So if you shop around, you can definitely pick up a better deal and therefore save yourself money on a monthly basis um that's an alternative to taking the holiday or in addition to taking the holiday um, every little helps in this time so yeah those are our top tips for you guys in the meantime keep it locked on the economic street platform so please don't forget to like share subscribe head over to our youtube channel it's called economic street we're on instagram and facebook twitter as well just show, show us some love and just share our content if you like what we're doing invite other people to join us in the movement. Until next time, I'm Ola. And I'm Nicholas. And we'll see you soon. Bye for now.